Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 168, Myth Movie Night, Gretel and Hansel. It's not often we do a movie that's in theaters currently, but I thought that, you know, I saw it and I was just like, this seems like the right choice to make. And it gives us an opportunity to talk about things like the history of fairy tales and ways that we adapt them now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know who I enjoy sharing new things with, Amanda? Is it our new patrons, Mark, Andre, Agnieszka, Lux, Meredith, and Juliet? It is, as well as our supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Tyree, Megan, Deborah, Molly, Skyla, Samantha, Sammy, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. They sustain our show and make it possible every dang week, just like our legend-level patrons. Brittany, Josie, Kylie, Morgan, Kylo the Husky, BME Up Scotty, Audra, Chris, Mark, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. And Julia, this week we are enjoying a variety pack of German beer, which is quite thematic, from a local Belgian and German um, beer store here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm rocking out to that Hefeweizen. It is extremely good. One of the first beers I ever liked uh, was a Hefeweizen. I think it's a very good kind of entry point for people who don't know if beer is for them yet. Yeah, it's a little bit lighter. It's almost like starting with like a good shandy, you yeah. know? Good I, stuff. One of the first beers I remember really, really liking was one called Checkpoint Charlie. And it was a Ooh. Hefeweizen that was extremely good. It tasted like lemonade. That is so delicious. Speaking of delicious, Amanda, what what delicious things have you been watching, reading, or listening to lately? I awaited with great uh, bated breath uh, the release of Daniel M. Lavery's newest book, Something mm-hmm. That May Shock and Discredit You. Mm-hmm. The cover is just like a wonderfully brooding, Byronic figure, um, and it is a, a really like lovely, heartfelt, sometimes like heart-wrenching uh, collection. No one writes like Daniel Danny does, and I love every single thing that he writes, whether that's a newsletter or um, the the brand new book that clearly took a ton of time uh, to make. And actually, we just set up a list of all of the books that we recommend in the show, as well as books by our guests. So if you want to find a link to buy something that may shock and discredit you on a great website that helps uh, share revenue with indie bookstores when you make purchases, go to spiritspodcast.com slash books. What an easy URL to remember, Amanda. Thank you. I set it up. And speaking of things that may shock and discredit you, I don't know why I did that transition. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be in Austin, Texas, and you can get tickets by going to multitude.production slash live and clicking on the Austin, Texas show. We're doing it with Join the Party, and it is going to be an absolute blast. Absolutely. Get two live shows for the price of one. Uh, Come on down, hang out with us at the North Door. And I don't know, we're going to be full of tacos and ready to have a good time. I love being full of tacos. I'm always hungry. Delish. We're also so excited this week to let you know about a new show from Multitude. We don't even have like a siren for that because it is so rare and exciting. Woo! (laughs) Next stop is an audio sitcom. It's written by our own Eric Silver. Julia, assistant, directed it. uh, Brandon Grugel directed and I executive produced the show. We also funded it using an advance from Patreon. So we're kind of pioneering this new fundraising model in podcasting. And in true Multitude fashion, we're going to be releasing a huge resource with all the things that we did to make the podcast possible and tips for other folks who want to make fiction shows. But 
Moreover, the trailer is amazing. There are such good jokes. It sounds absolutely fantastic. And you can go to nextstopshow.com to listen to the trailer or just search for Next Stop in your podcast player. Yeah, if you like Friends, if you like How I Met Your Mother, if you like really any sitcom Broad from like City, the 90s. Broad Birdie. What if those existed but didn't make anyone feel bad and also were very modernized and for today's audience? That's what Next Stop is about. Yeah, there's just so much fat phobia in Friends and I'm super not into it. And the things that draw me to a show like Broad City, right, where like very fantastical, you know, uh, things happen to all of them. But each of those things, I'm like, I could see that happening to me or someone I know in the big city is just so, so fantastic. Eric's scripts are a joy. And it really was a team effort to make them sound as amazing as they could. The cast is Oh, guys, so incredible. They're so great. And you're going to want to check out that trailer. So plug Next Stop into your podcast player or go to nextstopshow.com. Do it. It's so good. Yay, Next Stop. So without further ado, the next stop on this Spirits podcast intro train is episode 168, Myth Movie Night, Gretel and Hansel. Amanda, I picked the movie this week, and it is also my turn to summarize the movie this week. Yes, Julia, two minutes. Uh, I know Amanda is not the biggest fan of horror, but I'm glad she she stuck it through with me to see Gretel and Hansel, which is what this episode is about. So if you do not want to be spoiled for the movie, just skip ahead a little over two minutes. Yes. Okay. Um, Ready, Julia, I have a timer. Oh, boy, I'm a little nervous. This is a bit of a thick plot. I believe in you. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. So the movie starts with a baby getting sick and a father taking the baby to an enchantress to cure her. However, she gives the baby the power of premonitions. As the child grows up, she uses her powers to kill people because she knows her premonitions end in death, including her father. The kid is taken to the woods, implied to die, I guess, uh, and instead ends up luring children into the forest instead, like you do, of course. Cut to Gretel and Hansel. Gretel is trying to find a job to support their family and is run out by their mother because she's unable to get a job from a creepy dude, you know, like you do. Uh, They try to hide in a hut but are attacked by a man but then saved by a hunter. And then the hunter shelters them for the night and gives them leads on where they can find a job. So they go into the woods the next morning to forage for food and find work. They eat some magic mushrooms that make them like hallucinate and laugh and bunch of stuff. Uh, And then Hansel is drawn to a house that smells like cake. And that is where they meet Holda, who is a creepy old lady who invites them in and says they can stay there in exchange for work. Seems fine, right? Probably Mm -hmm. not going to be a bad thing. Never. Gretel, however, is suspicious. Uh, Hansel, totally chill with the situation at first. Gretel starts to have these visions and hear voices. Holda tells Gretel that she has some magic and then Hansel like starts seeing the visions as well. Hansel falls into a trance and it's implied that Holda has been turning the remains of people into food that they've been eating. Mm-hmm. Not great. Cannibalism, usually we like it. Not this time around. <laughs> Holda is revealed to be the mother of the child from the beginning of the movie, the one that was killing all the people and it got Whoa! abandoned in the woods. Um, and she was the one that left the child in the woods. However, the child promised her like power and mysticism sure uh so hold eight all of her other children because why not and then takes the guise of an old woman to lure children to eat hold plans to eat hansel gretel is able to kill her with her new like magic powers that she got gretel sends hansel home and then takes the place of holda after setting the spirits of the children she ate free and then we're done yay wow you have three seconds left ah, incredible it. incredible you did kill it. I timed myself doing that so many times. Oh, Julia, great job. I wanted to get it good and right. I also love the Kronos vibes uh, from the the whole eating your own kids you here. You know, just eat your own children. It's and by fine. love, it's I fine. mean 
identified yeah, those vibes. Sure, of course. That was Gretel and Hansel. Did you know, fun fact, uh, you know the dorky guy from Legally Blonde, the one that she's like, you know, oh, yes. makes him look good by being like, oh, you broke my heart when he's getting picked on by the hot I popular do. girls? Um, that's the guy who directed this movie. Wow. Oz Perkins. Yeah. No way. Yeah, there you go. Oz Perkins the second. I actually have some movie trivia for you, Julie, <gasps> at the end of the episode. Ooh. Ooh, teaser. I love that. Um, So I think how I want to start this discussion is by reading the actual story of Hansel and Gretel because I feel like it's one of the stories where we know the basic beats of it, yeah. but we miss all the good details from the original. Uh, and it's it's relatively short. It'll probably take us like 10 minutes to read the whole thing. So um, I would love to also keep in mind comparing, contrasting the plot points of the movie. Uh, and the original story that I'm going to read is from the Grimm's Fairy Tales. It was translated to English by D.L. Ashleman. And this is by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, in case you don't know who the Grimm brothers are. And cool. we'll learn a little bit more about them when I finish the story. Okay. I can't wait. Next to a great forest, there lived a poor woodcutter with his wife and his two children. The boy's name was Hansel and the girl's name was Gretel. He had but little to eat, and once when a great famine came to the land, he could no longer provide even their daily bread. One evening he was lying in bed worrying about his problems. He sighed and said to his Same. wife, What is to become of us? How can we feed our children when we have nothing for ourselves? Man, do you know what? Answered the wife. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Um, Early tomorrow morning, we will take the two children out into the thickest part of the woods, make a fire for them, and give them each a little piece of bread, then leave them by themselves and go off to our work. A little of bread is a treat. Yeah, little bread is a treat, and also, they will not find their way back home, and we will be rid of them. Oh, mm -hmm. didn't see that ending that way. Yeah, not great. The man says, no, woman, I will not do that. How could I bring myself to abandon my own children alone in the woods? Wild animals will soon come and tear them to pieces. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, you fool, she said. Then all four of us will starve. All you can do is to plane the boards for our coffins. And she gave him no peace until he agreed. Not, not making women great looking at this point. Sure. It's like, let me nag you about killing our children and abandoning them. Not fantastic. But I do feel sorry for the poor children, said the man. That's good. <laughs> the two children had not been able to fall asleep because of their hunger, and they heard what the stepmother said to the father. Oh, the stepmother. stepmother. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. They change it. Originally, it is the mother, and then later translations turn it into the stepmother. So this is the last translation given before the Grimm brothers died. Interesting. Gretel cried bitter tears and said to Hansel, it is over with us. Be quiet, Gretel, said Hansel, and don't worry, I know what to do. And as soon as the adults had fallen asleep, he got up, pulled on his jacket, opened the lower door, and crept outside. The moon was shining brightly, and the white pebbles in front of the house were glistening like silver coins. Hansel bent over and filled his jacket pockets with them, as many as would fit. Then he went back into the house and said, don't worry, Gretel, sleep well. God will not forsake us. And then he went back to bed. At daybreak, even before sunrise, the woman came and woke the two children. Get up, you lazy bones. We are going into the woods to fetch wood. Then she gave them each one piece of little bread, saying, here is something for midday. Don't eat it any sooner, for you'll not get any more. 
Gretel put the bread upon her apron because Hansel's pockets were full of stones. <laughs> they then together set forth into the woods. After they had walked a little way, Hansel began stopping again and again and looking back towards the house. The father said, Hansel, why are you stopping and looking back? Pay attention now and don't forget your legs. Oh, father, said Hansel, I am looking for my white cat that is sitting on the roof and wants to say goodbye to me. The woman said, you fool, that isn't your cat. That's the morning sun shining on the chimney. However, Hansel had not been looking back at his cat, but instead been dropping the shiny pebbles from his pocket onto the path. When they arrived in the middle of the woods, the father said, You children gather some wood, and I will make a fire so you won't freeze. Hansel and Gretel gathered together some twigs, a pile as high as a small mountain. That's very descriptive. Mm. I like that. After they had sat there a long time, their eyes grew weary and closed, and they fell sound asleep. When they finally awoke, it was dark at night. Gretel began to cry and said, How will we get out of the woods? Hansel comforted her. Wait a little until the moon comes up, and then we'll find the way. After the full moon had come, Hansel took his little sister by the hand. They followed the pebbles that glistened like newly minted coins, showing them the way. They walked throughout the entire night, and as morning was breaking, they arrived at the father's house. They knocked on the door, and when that woman opened it, they saw it was Hansel and Gretel, and she said, You wicked children! Why did you sleep in the... Uh, why did you sleep so long in the woods? We thought you did not want to come back. No! Don't Fucking gaslight your children! Like that our reaction was exactly the same on that one. Yeah. But the father was overjoyed when he saw his children once more, for he had not wanted to leave them alone. Not long after, there was once again great need everywhere. And one evening, the children heard the mother say to the father, We have again eaten up everything. We only have half a loaf of bread and then the song will be over. Great metaphor. Great. Love it. We must get rid of the children. We will take them deeper into the woods so that they will not find their way out. Otherwise, there will be no help for us. The man was very disheartened, of course, (laughs) and he thought it would be better to share the last bit with the children. But the woman would not listen to him, scolded him and criticized him. He who says A must also say B. And because he had given in the first time, he had to do so the second time as well. That's a great line. Interesting. He, he that says A must also say B. Yeah, like when you when you commit to doing something, you have to finish yeah, it. Yeah, when you start a, a sentence, you have to finish it. Love it. The children were still awake and overheard the conversation. When the adults were asleep, Hansel yeah, got- adults, stop talking so loudly in your own home when the kids a, are awake. It's a small home. They're poor. Step outside. When the adults were asleep, Hansel got up again and wanted to gather pebbles like he had done before. But the woman had locked the door and Hansel could not get out. Mm. But he comforted his sister and said, don't cry, Gretel. Sleep well. God will help us. Early the next morning, the woman came and got the children from their beds. They received their little pieces of bread, even less than the last time. On the way to the woods, Hansel crumbled his piece in his pocket and then often stood still and threw crumbs onto the ground. Hansel, why are you always stopping and looking around, said the father. Keep walking straight ahead. I can see my pigeon sitting on the roof. It wants to say goodbye to me. Aww. Fool, said the woman, that isn't your pigeon. That is the morning sun shining on the chimney. This (laughs) child cannot determine an animal from some sun shining on a chimney. 
I know, I know he actually doesn't know it, but yeah, just, yeah. this woman does not think very highly of him. Okay. No, not at all. Also but, wants to kill him. Yes. <laughs> Again, does not think highly of him. Not at all. But little by little, Hansel dropped all the crumbs onto the path. The woman took them deeper into the woods than they had ever been in their whole lifetime. Once again, a large fire was made and the mother said, sit here, children. If you get tired, you can sleep a little. We are going into the woods to cut wood. We will come and get you in the evening when we are finished. Again, I love the like pattern of stories. Yeah. The, the Grimm brothers really hit all of those points when it, whenever they're telling fairy tales. When it was midday, Gretel shared her bread with Hansel, who had scattered his piece along the path. Then they fell asleep and evening passed, but no one came to get the poor children. It was dark at night when they awoke and Hansel comforted Gretel and said, wait, when the moon comes up, I will be able to see the crumbs of bread that I scattered and they will show us the way back home. When the moon appeared, they got up, but they couldn't find any crumbs for many sure. thousands of birds <laughs> that fly about in the wood and the fields had pecked them up. Not the best plan. You know, the bird's no. not going to eat the rocks. I also like the uh, the many thousands of birds. Like, uh, the birds are hungry here, too. <laughs> There's so many thousands no. of birds. Hansel said to Gretel, we will find our way. But they did not find it. Oh. They walked the entire night and the next day from morning until evening, but they did not find their way out of the woods. They were terribly hungry, for they had eaten only a few small berries that were growing on the ground. And because they were so tired that their legs would no longer carry them, they lay down under a tree and fell asleep. It was already the third morning since they had left the father's house. They started walking again, but managed only to go deeper and deeper into the woods. Aww. If help did not come soon, they would perish. At midday, they saw a snow-white bird sitting on a branch. It sang so beautifully that they stopped to listen. When it was finished, it stretched its wings and flew in front of them. They followed it until they came across a little house. The bird sat on the roof, and when they came closer, they saw that the little house was built entirely from bread with a roof made of cake, and the windows were made of clear sugar. Hmm. Totally fine. Normal. Exciting, yeah. really. I know. I also really like this. I like this better than a sort of like Candyland version mm -hmm. where the, the entire house, house is candy, right? Yeah. Or gingerbread. Um, because it's like they want sustenance, but also a little like cake as dessert. <laughs> little treat. And yes. it really uh, kind of foreshadows like all the baking shows where you use isomalt to make like clear glass yes. in, uh, in fucking Zumbo's Apparently Just Desserts. that was still a thing you could do back then. Yeah. Impressive. Let's help ourselves to a good meal, said Hansel. I'll eat a piece of the roof and Gretel, you eat from the window. That will be sweet. Aww. There you go. Hansel reached up and broke off a little piece of roof to see how it tasted, while Gretel stood next to the window panes and was nibbling at them. Then a gentle voice called out from inside. Nibble, nibble, little mouse. Who is nibbling at my house? No, it's rhyming. That means it's bad. The children answered, the wind, the wind, the heavenly child. <laughs> Great. Yeah, good, good option. They continued to eat without being distracted. Hansel, who very much liked the taste of the roof, tore down another large piece, <laughs> and Gretel poked out an entire round window pane. Suddenly, the door opened, and a woman, as old as the hills and leaning on a crutch, came creeping out. Hansel and Gretel were so frightened that they dropped what they were holding in their hands. But the old woman shook her head and said, Oh, you dear children, who brought you here? Just come in and stay with me. No harm will come to you. Uh, yeah, harm's totally going to come to you. 
She took them by the hand and led them into her house. Then she served them a good meal, milk and pancakes with sugar, apples, and nuts. It sounds like a good breakfast. Yeah. Afterward, she made two nice beds for them, decked in white. Hansel and Gretel went to bed thinking they were in heaven, but the old woman only had pretended to be friendly. She was a wicked witch who was lying in wait for the children. She had built her house of bread only in order to lure them to her, and if she captured one, she would kill him, cook him, and eat him. And for her, that was a day to celebrate. Oh, dang. (laughs) Witches have red eyes and cannot see very far, but they have a sense of smell like animals and know when humans are approaching. This is some wild witch lore. I'm here for it. When Hansel and Gretel came near to her, she laughed wickedly and spoke scornfully. Now I have them. They will not get away from me again. Again? Who no. Oh, I guess previous children, maybe? Maybe. Or, like, maybe she knew about them from the time they were in the woods the last time. Oh, shit. Early the next morning, before they awoke, she got up, went to their beds, and looked at the two of them lying there so peacefully with their full red cheeks. They will be a good mouthful, she mumbled to herself. Oh, no. Then she grabbed Hansel with her withered hand and carried him to a little stall where she locked him behind a cage door. Cry as he might, there was no help for him. Damn, Hansel. It's a rough time. Then she shook Gretel and cried, Get up, lazybones, the same insult that the stepmother used. Yes. Fetch water and cook something good for your brother. He is locked outside in the stall and has to be fattened up. When he is fat, I am going to eat him. Just like revealing the plan like a Bond villain. Oh, yeah. Very Bond. Very Fast and Furious. Gretel began to cry, but it was uh, all for nothing. She had to do what the witch demanded. Now, Hansel was given the best things to eat every day, but Gretel received nothing but crayfish shells. Oh, no. Gretel. That's so sad. The sexism here is frankly incredible. (laughs) But Hansel stuck out a little bone, and the woman, who had bad eyes and could not see the bone, thought it was Hansel's finger, and she wondered why he didn't get fat. Oh. Little bone. Yeah. Bony finger. When four weeks had passed and Hansel was still Damn. thin, impatience overcame her and she would wait no longer. Hey, Gretel, she shouted to the girl. Hurry up and fetch some water. Whether Hansel is fat or thin, tomorrow I'm going to slaughter him and boil him. This is a real slow burn of a witch. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Oh, how the poor little sister sobbed as she was forced to carry the water and how the tears streamed down her cheeks. Dear God, please help us, she cried. If only the wild animals had devoured us in the woods, then we would have died together. Jesus, Gretel, that is dark. I mean, this whole thing is is Mm -hmm. horrible. Save your slobbering, said the old woman. It doesn't help you at all. The next morning, Gretel had to get up early, hang up the kettle with water, and make a fire. First, we are going to bake, said the old woman. I have already made a fire in the oven and kneaded the dough. She pushed poor Gretel outside to the oven from with fiery flames were leaping. Climb in, said the witch, and see if it is hot enough to put the bread in yet. Gretel, don't do that. Aww. And when Gretel was inside, she intended to close the oven and yep. bake her and eat her as well. Horrible. But Gretel saw what she had in mind, so she said, I don't know how to do that. How can I get inside? Gretel, Good. smart. Stupid goose, said the old woman. The opening is big enough. See, I myself could get in. And she crawled up and stuck her head into the oven. There it is. Then Gretel gave her a shove, causing her to fall in. Then she closed the iron door and secured it with a bar. The old woman began to howl frightfully, but Gretel ran away. Way, and the godless witch burned up miserably. Just throwing it out there that she's godless. Not great, probably, but okay. You know. 
sure. it is it is the time period that it is. Because they now had nothing to fear, they went into the witch's house. In every corner, there were chests of pearls and precious stones. These are better than pebbles, said Hansel, filling his pockets. <laughs> oh, Hansel, honey. <laughs> Gretel said, I will take some home with me as well. And she filled her apron full. But now we must leave, said Hansel, and get out of these witch woods. Which was. <laughs> After walking a few hours, they arrived at a large body of water. We cannot get across, said Hansel. I cannot see a walkway or a bridge. There are no boats here, answered Gretel. But there is a white duck swimming. I'll ask it, and it will help us across. She called out, Duckling, duckling, here stand Gretel and Hansel. Neither a walkway nor a bridge. Take us on to your white back. That one doesn't really rhyme. A big but duck, okay. I guess. Hmm? A yeah, big, big duck. The duckling came up to them, and Hansel climbed onto it, then asked his little sister to sit down next to him. No, answered Gretel. That would be too heavy for the duckling. It should take us across one at a time. That is what the good animal did. And when they were safely on the other side and had walked a little while... Oh, I was like, oh man, is it, is it going to drown one of them? Yeah. yeah. No. Um, and had walked a little while, the woods grew more and more familiar to them. And finally, they saw their father's house in the distance. They began to run, rushed in side and threw their arms around their father's neck. The man had not had one even happy hour since he had left yeah. his children in the woods. Good. However, the woman had died. Woo. Oh. Awesome. Man, this is true fairy tale morality. Yeah. I kind of forgot how black and white this is. <laughs> Gretel took out her apron, scattering pearls and precious stones around the room, and Hansel added to them by throwing one handful after the other from his pocket. Now, oh, good. I thought he was going to like leave a trail back to the... No. <laughs> okay. Now all their cares were at an end, and they lived happily together. My tail is done, a mouse has run, and whoever catches it can make himself from it a large, large fur cap. Oh, yeah. that was an unexpected ending. I don't know what that's a reference to. Let me see the translator notes. <laughs> Nothing in the translator notes. So there we go. Maybe an idiom that got lost in translation. Perhaps. But, wow, what a dark story. Yeah. So um, not too far off, I guess, besides uh, the weird magic and the hallucinogenic mushrooms from the uh, yeah. <laughs> from the movie we watched. But, you know, in, in a way, I think having a horror movie does sort of suit the original intent of the fairy tale. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because it is quite dark. I guess we think of fairy tales as, as quite a sort of like calming, childish or, you know, for children style story. But... In, you know, this is sounds like a sort of Christian morality tale. Yeah. Like this is meant to to show you with real consequences that, um, you know, bad things happen sometimes yeah. and that bad people hopefully get their comeuppance. It's really interesting to kind of see the moral quandary of it where it's like, mm, should we all die or should we <laughs> abandon the children? You know. And, you know, <laughs> this, I mean, it is a moral quandary. What do you value more, the the lives of your children and extending those for a short period of time? Or do you value your own life and extending that for a longer period of time? Yeah, I, I just I can't I can't help but imagine that there was like some social services or maybe a Probably neighbor <laughs> or you could send the kids to be adopted or to like a, a welfare, like a child welfare organization i don't know listen they probably could have sent them to a nunnery slash like you know yeah orphanage friar place you know <laughs> what, what's a friar place? monastery monastery that's the word i was looking for I monasteries took kids i feel like they did i don't know though in any case this is a, a fairy tale setup yeah so um let's actually get a refill on our german beers and then we can touch a little bit more on the background of these fairy tales let's do it awesome 
Julia, our first sponsor this week is Stitch Fix, which is helping me deal with the uh, terrifyingly warm winter that we are having here in New York uh, by making sure that I have pieces that are going to last me a really long time. Things that I find are stylish, that excite me, that are different than what I'd usually pick, um, and above all, ones that are really high quality. And as much as we've talked about all of the ways we love Stitch Fix, the ways that the personal stylists choose things that are just for you, how they have masculine and feminine styles, how these clothes fit you. It's a mix of brands that you know and love and also Stitch Fix exclusives. Uh, they're also really high quality. And I really love that you can tell them what kind of budget you're looking to work within and they send you items that they really believe in. And the sweater that I got three years ago, I still wear all the time. And that's something that's really important to me as I look to shopping in this year. Yeah, I love Stitch Fix. Uh, last Stitch I got, the uh, stylist wrote to me. She's like, I saw on your Instagram, because I sent them my Instagram so they could get a sense of my style, that you wore the uh, the jacket I sent last time. So I sent another one that's like it, but like a different color. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Awesome. And that styling fee is automatically applied toward anything you keep from your box. And also shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. So the stylist puts together what they think you're going to love. You try them on. And if you need to exchange a size, or you want to send something back. The $20 is always applied to anything you keep from the box and shipping always, always free. Yeah, so you can get started today at stitchfix.com spirits and get 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That is stitchfix.com spirits, stitchfix.com spirits for 25% off when you keep everything in your box. Hey, thanks, Stitch Fix. Amanda, we've been doing a lot of traveling lately. And in between, you know, getting on airplanes and sitting in airports, I like to, like, you know, dedicate some time to learning something. Yeah. Uh, and I have been exploring new skills. I've been deepening my existing passions. And I'm just getting lost in creativity with the classes from Skillshare. Heck yeah. So you can learn a bunch of different stuff. You can learn stuff like illustration, design, photography, video. You can learn freelancing skills and, like, so so much more. So recently, um, we've been doing a lot of traveling over the past couple of weeks. We're going to be doing more traveling in the future. So I took a class called Art Abroad, How to Create a Travel Sketchbook with Christine Nishiyama. Oh my gosh. And it has been so much fun. Like genuinely, I'm not particularly a great artist, but I just enjoy kind of sitting somewhere and sketching out like the people that pass by. It's like people watching, but yeah. I get to actively engage a more creative part of my brain. And what a nice way to kind of stay present and, you know, keep making stuff instead of just sort of like shuttling from one spot to another on a work trip. Yeah, exactly. So with Skillshare's short classes, you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold like I did when I took my class. And I didn't have to put it on hold while I was traveling. It was great. So you can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Spirits 2, where our listeners will get two free months of Skillshare premium. That's two months free at Skillshare.com slash Spirits 2. Thanks, Skillshare. We are also sponsored this week, Julia, by Every Plate, which is America's best value meal kit. Now, their dinner options cost only $4.99 per serving and come together in about 30 minutes. So definitely cheaper uh, than getting takeout and faster than going to a grocery store, which means that the time that you would have spent cooking, you can instead spend on things like enrichment or exercise or spending time with family and enjoying your meal with somebody you love. Yeah, and I love that they provide all of the ingredients you need in the amounts that you need. So you never have to go to the store to buy something to make every plate's meal. So everything is already pre-measured, ready to go. 
Absolutely. I loved getting the every plate box for us to try. It's also the smallest and like most efficient sized box that I have seen mm. of meal kits, which I really appreciated because I live in an apartment and have to carry it up many steps. And I'm always a little skeptical of meal kits because they can be like really expensive and sometimes it's just easier to buy your stuff in bulk. But now I'm like totally convinced that you can get the same deliciousness, but at a lower price point. Absolutely. And with this special offer from every plate, our listeners can get six free meals across your first three weeks as well as free shipping on your first delivery. You can go to everyplate.com and enter code SPIRITS6 to get that offer. We cooked our first Every Plate meal when we got home from our LA trip, and it was like late and we were very tired, but it still let us spend some time unpacking and getting the house in order before work the next day. So we got a home-cooked meal and felt good about it and still had that time to unpack and kind of get everything in order, which, you know, you just, nothing better than saving time. That is true time and money. Yeah, again, that is everyplate.com and enter the promo code SPIRIT6 and you can get six free meals over your first three weeks and free shipping. Thanks, EveryPlate. Now let's get back to the show. So, man, I wanted to give a little bit background on the Grimm brothers because I feel like uh, everyone's heard the name before, but uh, honestly, I didn't know a ton about them until I started researching folklore and stuff yeah. like that. So the Grimm brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, or if you want to get like real German, I guess it's Wilhelm, Wilhelm. Jacob and Wilhelm, were born in Hanau, Germany in 1785 and 1786, respectively. Really? In yeah. their brain, they're like 1500s. No, but 1700s. Wow. Late 1700s, too. At that, yeah. Writing in the 1800s. Yes. So while their first collection of folk tales was not published during their lifetime, they were able to publish children's and household tales in 1812. The final version of this was published in 1857, a few years before the brothers' deaths. Despite the name, these aren't stories intended for children, as we can obviously tell by the content of the story, but rather these were stories about children and families and the like moral quandaries that they were put through. Really? Mm -hmm. I thought that they were intended to tell to kids. Nope. Wow. I know. It's just, we were just like, oh, it says children, so let's show the children these stories. Wow. No. <laughs> don't tell the children stories about how they're going to get murdered by their stepmother. I don't know. Wow. I mean, that makes a lot more sense. I feel like it's such a, a sort of truism that, you know, oh, yeah, they were just super dark kid stories, but nope. that makes sense. Yeah. So the brothers started collecting folktale stories and songs at the beginning of the 19th century while they were still young men studying at the University of Marburg. They were like teens when they started researching this stuff. Huh. Uh, Wilhelm eventually became a low-paid librarian at the Royal Library, while Jacob served in the Heisian War Commission. Hmm. Jacob eventually lost his position when the French occupied Castle, and he was hired as a librarian in Westphalia by King Jerome, who is Napoleon's brother. Oh, Westphalia. Yes. Anyone who knows the musical Candide is automatically our friend. Haha, <laughs> that's true. We were just talking about that at the LA Live show. Yeah. yeah. That was a lot of fun. So they worked with their friend, romantic poet Clemens Brentano in 1808 to create a book of literary fairy tales. But Brentano eventually lost the manuscript. Oh. He just like left it in a library somewhere. He's like, I don't know where the hell that went. No. Uh, however, the Grimm brothers saved all of their stories that they had collected for the manuscript. And with the encouragement of another friend, they published their own collection of 86 tales in 1812 and then another 70 published in 1815. That makes me feel a lot better about all the times that I have like lost an assignment because I did not save the documents I was working on. It, it doesn't it make you feel a little bit better about that. It does. I'm also realizing now that uh, kids these days must not know that pain because for the most part, um, they must work on 
like cloud, you know, document. Yeah. Uh, and also now like Microsoft Word does auto saving as well. That's extremely <sighs> useful. What a what a brave new world. Yeah. At least we, we I feel like we had it like pretty good for a while. Like we didn't have to. We didn't spend a lot of time saving things onto floppy disks and yes, stuff like that. Which you know? definitely was like an added step and and quite corruptible. I actually have a floppy disk with some kind of data on it uh, from my Neopets days, but ah, of course. obviously no tools to read it. Yep. Nope. Because no one has any sort of floppy disk reader anymore. I'm sure one of the libraries somewhere will. Maybe. Okay. Uh, the Grimm brothers reportedly first heard the story of Hansel and Gretel from Wilhelm's future wife, Henrietta Dorothea Wilde, who has the best name ever. Ooh. Such a good name, right? Yeah. Uh, also, fun fact, Dorothea was their mother's name as well. Aw, very sweet. Uh, so the story was first published in the collection in 1812, but the story most likely originated during the Great Famine in Europe, which was from 1315 to 1317. Yeah, I was going to say one of my uh, the things that was most surprising as we went through the original was how like serious and and real like starvation is. Yeah, absolutely. So this was a medieval period of time, uh, and the they didn't write it down for 500 years. Isn't that wild? Just yeah. like collectively had the same story told for 500 years, and then finally someone collected it and published it and wrote it down. I don't know. I mean, would you think to like write down the lyrics to you know Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or something? No, I guess not. But like, I assume someone else has done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, honestly, fair. Well, also as we talk about in uh, in this month's Head Heart Gut about rock paper or scissors, which one is best? Uh, mine was Team Paper, and uh, paper wasn't really like cheap and widely available until the late 1800s. That's fair. So I definitely understand that you know for people conserving paper or or you know monks are like handwriting manuscripts, you probably are going to prioritize things that are of like quote unquote like higher cultural value. Fair, absolutely. And speaking a little bit more on the Great Famine, uh, because of hard times, many people like we saw in the story, abandon their children in order to feed themselves. And there were some reports that people resorted to cannibalism in order to survive. Wow. So we see both of those instances in the story. Yeah, there are definitely these elements of like the opinions and historical circumstances um, that informed these folk stories, like mm -hmm. everything does. Um, I I was like not surprised, but still saddened to hear that there are some like just gross anti-Semitic stories in the original yeah. collection. Um, and those were appropriated, you know, later on by the Third Reich. And and it's not a thing I want to dwell on, but also something that I, I didn't want to leave unacknowledged as we talk about these stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's uh, that's fair. I mean, in reading the story, we see the witch get called a like godless heathen, which mm. is not great. Again, not super great that we're othering someone and also associating like not a belief in a Christian God with cannibalism. And, yeah, like like difference is made evil. And that yeah. is the uh, like fundamental, you know, uh, tenant of like hatred and othering yes and uh not great don't do that learn from learn from the Grimm brothers mistakes don't be like ah oh, yes they don't believe in god therefore they eat children no unacceptable i think also a good reminder that uh that writing things down uh gives them power mm -hmm. and that making a record of something and publishing something is never neutral yes. and i feel like we see this more and more like you know who do you choose to retweet you know like whose posts and whose research and whose links do you deign to share yeah. when you want to talk about a serious issue like do you amplify a thing that's problematic or do you kind of allude to it and like talk about the bigger issue yeah. i feel like it's something that you know in in the olden days it was like journalists trained in ethics are the ones that um you know are are kind of determining what is published and what is public record but now all of us are um yeah. and it's something i've been thinking about a lot and I don't know, just sparked sparked the thought. Yeah, I think that there's an interesting aspect in studying history that everything has a certain bias. 
And when you try to look at history without acknowledging that bias, you create a skewed version of history. And it really takes a lot of effort to make sure that when you are studying history or when you're talking about the past, you talk about the influences that this version of the past has. Yeah. I also want to talk about something speaking about history. Um, I want to talk about something that I had a passing familiarity with, but really dug into in the research of this episode, uh, which is the Arne Thompson Uther Index. Ooh, so what's also, this? also known as the ATU Index. Uh, it is used to catalog folklore types, since there are a lot of folkloric stories can be broken down into very similar fundamental stories with different details. Huh. So it's kind of like Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces, but like acknowledging like, oh, yeah, you know, there are different versions of this story. This is the most well-known one, but there are across all cultures, there is a story that is similar to this. Cool. Tell me more. So it was first created by Finnish folklorist Antti Arn. I'm probably going to pronounce all these wrong. I'm sorry. And then was expanded upon by Stith Thompson and Hans Jörg Uther. Thompson defines tale types as, quote, this is a great quote, a traditional tale that has an independent existence. It may be told as a complete narrative and does not depend for its meaning on any other tale. Huh. It may indeed happen to be told with another tale, but the fact that it may be told alone attests to its independence. It may consist of only one motif or of many. Fascinating. Yeah, I think that's a really great definition of like, what a folkloric tale is yeah. and like what it fundamentally is. So like when we hear the Hansel and Gretel story, we usually only get the like the breadcrumbs, the witch's hut trying to get eaten, then returning home. We usually don't get the details of like the duckling or the the starvation yeah. or the evil stepmother. Or Those are details that it can be told without, right. but it does add an additional bonus to it. I also love this definition because I think it applies to the movie as well. The, the story of Hansel and Gretel can absolutely be told independently as the story of the child from the beginning of the film also mm -hmm. can be told independently. By the way, if you're interested, Hansel and Gretel is classified as class 327A in the ATU index. Incredible. Yes. I want to read this so bad. It's very, very cool. Speaking of which, there are also several stories that are similar to other fairy tale stories from across Europe to the Hansel and Gretel ones. Uh, folklorists Iona and Peter Opie pair them with Baltic stories that feature children outwitting ogres or monsters. Uh, such tales as Hop on My Thumb, Finette Sendron, Clever Cinders, The Lost Children, Little Brother and Little Sister, and Vasilisa the Beautiful. Shout out to Baba Yaga because she's the witch in that story. Hey. Many of these stories, Hansel and Gretel included, are parallels to coming-of-age stories in which the rite of passage is to enter the woods and manage to find your way back out again. Huh. Uh, this is particularly interesting, too, when you examine the fact that the children are sent out to find jobs. And in the film, Gretel is interrogated on the status of her virginity. Huh. So... I think those are like really interesting kind of uh, frames in which to look at the coming of age story and how Hansel and Gretel kind of fit into it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they're kids trying to like literally survive doesn't yeah. mean it's not an allegory for uh, less like base need um, issues. Yeah, absolutely. And Amanda, I think you did a little bit of research on other adaptations of Grim Fairy Tales. I sure did. I guess I was staggered to see and to be reminded how many... Um, 
Disney stories, are grim stories, stories. <laughs> are come from grim fairy tales. Uh, like there's a, a list on Wikipedia of films based on grim fairy tales, and that includes Cinderella, obviously Hansel and Gretel, Little Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, Rumpelstiltskin, Shrek, um, Sleeping Beauty, and Snow White. Okay, which uh, was like, oh yeah, no, those are just like the big canonical, like uh, you know, new modern age Disney films. Sure, which is or classic also age, golden age, <laughs> and yeah, it's just like it's staggering how many of the things that we think of as just like classic, just children's stories slash fairy tales come from um, these stories and a lot of Disney and DreamWorks work. Yeah. Do you have a personal favorite, Amanda, of those? Well, Julia, I do. And I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> and this is kind of like a this is kind of a, a based off of based off of. Mm-hmm. So um, we worked on this show, but also the movie is interesting. It's Into the Woods. Of course. Uh, which deals with... Uh, Basically all of them. Yes, exactly. Uh, and also is ex- incredibly dark. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of uh, represents the the tonal difference. It's also interesting given the index, like you can just put on the first act of Into the Woods and it's just kind of like a nice fairy tale musical. Um, and then if you stay for the second act, things get real bad. Fun fact, if you get the like Broadway junior version of the script for Into the Woods, it is only the first half of the play. There is no second half whatsoever. It sure is. And, you know, it, this is something that's so fundamental. It's kind of like our pop culture understanding that it's it's hard to kind of like know what to say. So instead, I'm going to tell you about the development process for Into the Woods. Fantastic. I'm really going to just like pull a, pull an Eric Silver and, and come in with the research um, that you did not expect, but mm-hmm. need. I'm in for it. In for a penny, in for a pound. Let's do it. So, um, Into the Woods has been a musical, uh, obviously, but people have been talking about turning it into a film since like the early 1990s. Sure. Um, And so there was originally an attempt to make it into a film at the time. Um, These two guys, Gans and Mendel, wrote a script for the show uh, or for a screenplay based on the show for the screen. Um, And a reading was held with a cast that included. Oh, boy. Prepare yourself. Here we go. Robin Williams as the baker. What? Goldie Hawn as the baker's wife. Okay, yeah. Cher as the witch. Danny DeVito as the giant, which is fun. Um, okay. Steve Martin as the wolf, and Roseanne Barr as Jack's mother. Glad that didn't happen. Yeah, glad that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so that was just uh incredibly wild cast, incredibly fun. Um, and that kind of fizzled and died. And then in '97, Columbia put the film kind of back into play. Um, with Minkoff still attached as the director, and uh, reportedly in talks to star in the film, Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Susan Sarandon. Honestly, not a bad cast. Not a bad cast at all. Would kind I love of be it. down for it. I love it. I would mm. also be very down. Billy Crystal would probably make a very good baker. Not gonna I lie. I think so too. Yeah, very, very like wholesome, and I think he, the man can sing. Yeah, I'm. Is this before or after the like filmed stage version came out? That happened in '91, so maybe that was one of kind of the like impetuses for being like, hey, this could really be a thing on screen. Sure. Yeah. And Julia, you might be asking, well, what actually like like tipped it over into being made in mm-hmm. 2012? I am asking that. Please tell me. Well, Julia, it was 9-11. Oh, no. <laughs> because um, President Barack Obama in 2011 made a speech to the families of 9-11 victims for the like the anniversary. OK. Or I think I said that already. You may remember that in the 10th anniversary of 9-11, uh, President Obama made a really moving speech to the families of the 9-11 victims, um, which in the eyes of Rob Marshall, who directed the most recent version, um, seemed to evoke the same message as the song, No One Is Alone. It's quite a <laughs> thing to match together. Yeah. Yeah, bro. 
But this really, this was a this was a moment for Marshall because he said uh, that Into the Woods was quote a fairy tale for the post nine eleven generation. Oh Jesus! Yep. Okay. So uh, someone really agreed, and despite the um, the story being quite uh, dark thematically, mm-hmm. um, and then it says in the Wikipedia article, which Disney executives had begun to understand since Marshall's original pitch, that yeah. it was dark? Yeah, bro. Yeah, uh, quite. Um, anyway, they uh, decided to go ahead with it, and of course, that is how we got Meryl Streep making a famous so exemption to her no witches over 40 rule. Um, <laughs> that. After she turned 40, she would yeah, not play any witches. That's fine. She was like, you know what? I will. I'll just, I'll do a Sondheim role. That's fine. You're also like, it's the hot witch. Like Bernadette Peters played the witch. Yes. Yeah. It's the hot witch. It's fine. Yes. It's not like ugly crone witch the entire time. So. Yeah. But I, I love that Streep was like the one person who could get me to, uh, to you know, play into this uh, stereotype mm. Sondheim. Yeah. I mean, I would do anything for Sondheim. That's a fact. You could uh, try me on it. Totally. And uh, that was what I uh, what I had to tell you about the development of Into the Woods. Again, was really going to go for like a full history of adaptations here uh, sure. on film. But, this but then was, you're like, but Sondheim. This is this is this actually happened. And I feel like you have to know about it. <laughs> it's wonderful. Thank you for that. Uh, that little detail there. You're so welcome. I think, Amanda, we can wrap up with that. If you haven't had the chance to see Gretel and Hansel yet and you like horror movies, I recommend it. Go check it out. I think it's a good matinee. Yeah. Pay eight bucks. Mm-hmm. Bring a bagel. Well, it's still light outside. Yes. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Totally. Uh, but yeah, uh, like the witch in Gretel and Hansel remembers to stay creepy. <laughs> stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at Skillshare.com slash spirits2. You can get two free months of Skillshare premium. At stitchfix.com slash spirits, you can get 25% off when you keep your whole box. And at everyplate.com, enter code SPIRITS6 for six free meals across your first three weeks and free shipping on your first delivery. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.